podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, I forgot to say 12 and 14. Oh, I am losing it. This week is li- it. Yeah, the the Monday insanity that was Philip off his rocker is continuing through the week. Here we are. I will do the best job that I can, kind of trying to keep track of everything that's going on. Like West Virginia beating Kansas State in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, uh, just about 15 minutes ago, which congrats to me already 0-1 in my thoughts of how this tournament would go. In what's probably the last game for Bruce Webber, we'll see what happens with Kansas State. we got a lot of offseason talk about that. Uh, some fun baseball going on, but it's Thursday, and you know what that means. It means we start our show off with our fantastic guest, Melina Sanchez, joining us back to talk some Big 12 softball. Melina, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's the most wonderful time of the year, softball season. Softball season going strong, not so much for the Big 12 this past week, uh, but the season is is very enjoyable so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, doesn't get much better than this. Like you said, rocky weekend for the Big 12, but all we can do is build off it and try to get a little bit better as the coming weeks come along. Yeah, well, it was not good. Oklahoma went 1-0. They played one game against Minnesota. Jocelyn Allo still hasn't set the home run record. Uh, she's played in six games and recorded just eight official at-bats since she tied the record. Everybody is walking her a ton. Now, she doesn't lead the country in walks that uh, honor belongs to Kelly Horn of Troy, who's been walked 22 times in 18 games. Uh, But Jocelyn Allo tied for fifth nationally with one walk a game, 15 walks in 15 games. Uh, They're headed to Hawaii, where she is from. There's not a better time for her to break the record. But what felt like something that should have happened already and should have easily happened still has not because teams are literally do not want to let her hit the home run. Like at this point she will break the record this season, but how high she's going to go, it feels like has been, here's the question I have for you. Once she breaks the record, does everyone just kind of go back to pitching normal? Like whatever, it's just one more, or is this just going to be something she deals with the entire rest of the season? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, I think people are still going to be hesitant to pitch to her. Um, But after she breaks that record and gets it out of the way, hopefully people will pitch her a little bit more. I'm kind of disappointed in what's going on with her. She's had 13 walks in six games. Like, I really wish some of these pitchers would just challenge up, like embrace, embrace it, man. Like, this is what we live for. We, we are competitive. This is a competition. We want to, it's like best on best. We want to show what we got. Just go after it. If you give up a home run, just own it, but just show a little bit more of a competitive edge. And I hope that's what she faces this weekend. Um, in, in Hawaii, they open up with Sam Houston. They play Indiana, San Diego State, Houston, then Iowa. I hope somebody decides to challenge up and just just go right after right after Jocelyn Allo and just give her a chance. Yeah, I, again, at some point, someone's got to throw the ball for real and not just intentionally walk. We we need to see the record broken. Let's go, ladies. Let's let's quit this. Just throw the ball. Throw the ball the right way. Okay. Uh, it was a really rough week for the Pick Twelve. Kansas 
went over five this past weekend. Uh, Texas Tech, two and one. Baylor, what was it? Uh, two and one. Iowa State went one and three. Like it's the Big Twelve. I had higher expectations for the conference this season. OU sixteen and zero, playing well. Oklahoma State, uh, a two and one weekend though. Uh, rebounded Wednesday night. They got the they wrapped up what was a weird Sunday game against Minnesota that the weather got in the way of. They finished that first one. They're playing the second game right now as we are recording, so I don't know how that one's going to go as of yet. Uh, Texas played pretty well. Got a win over Miami and Sam Houston uh, with a very close loss to a very good Alabama team, followed by uh, two close losses to, to Alabama. Sorry. Two wins against Miami, a win against Sam Houston, two losses to Alabama that were both very, very close. Can I make the case for you, Melina, that – the two losses for Alabama, even though they were losses, are very promising as good as Alabama is and as well as Texas played against them. Yeah, they are very promising. They knocked Montana felt around that first game. Montana gave you know, four earned runs. You know, her ERA is sub one. So that was really impressive. I actually tweeted uh, that first game against Alabama. I said an improved Texas softball team tonight showed great Texas fight. Sophia Simpson, Katie Simmons are absolutely stars for the Texas softball program. So they have a really bright future ahead for both them and the team. So it's, it's a really good thing when you see young ones contributing to the team like Sophia Simpson and Katie Simmons. And uh, with Alyssa Washington getting inserted to the lineup, she's really been a spark plug for them. So I think she's earned a spot in the lineup. And I can I really see some good things coming ahead. We'll see how they do in the Bebo Classic this weekend. Uh, they'll face a good Minnesota team who gave Oklahoma State some trouble today. So I'm excited for that. I, we talked to Oklahoma State real quick, but I, I need to go back for a moment. Morgan Day has had a, a fairly rough start since she transferred to Oklahoma State this offseason. Then she plays DePaul this past weekend. 16 strikeouts. Two hit shutout. Retired the first 12 batters she faced. Didn't allow a hit until the sixth inning. Morgan Day was the pitcher of the week for the Big 12, uh, and the pitcher of the week for the Big 12 pitcher of the week for D1 softball. And Absolutely incredible performance. And, and look, it, DePaul's not like amazing, but for Oklahoma State, we talked early on. Kelly Maxwell's been awesome. She's been Stanford, or I'll, I'm sorry, Minnesota kind of got to her a little bit. Um, Elish has been playing better. If this is a sign for Morgan Day, like this is what Oklahoma State needs if they're going to, along with fixing the offense, is, is two other pitchers to really step up and back up Maxwell. The performance from Morgan Day this past weekend against DePaul. I'm hoping that is a sign of things to come. Yeah, absolutely. You need someone to, to back up Kelly Maxwell. We know she, she's a star uh, in her own right, but you look for that for somebody else who can hopefully help out Maxwell when she's struggling. And for Morgan Day, sometimes you need to play against a little bit of inferior competition, maybe to get your confidence up. Like you said, 16 Ks, a two hit shutout, only gave up one walk. So maybe that game uh, helped build her confidence up and, and she and she can be that strong person to back up Kelly Maxwell when Kelly Maxwell struggling like today she came in against Minnesota and, and shut the door to get the win I had high hopes for Iowa State this season 12 and 7 so far uh, getting run rolled in five innings by Arizona is not great losing to Texas State's not terrible but not awesome losing to Boise State which is funny I know they're 12 and 7 and there's a lot of softball still to play but I've been most disappointed, probably because I had fairly high expectations for the Cyclones. And there's some some bright spots for them thus far. They're getting good hitting, right? I mean, I, I know Sammy Williams was so big for them. Freshman Angelina Allen's been pretty good. Um, but I'm just, the pitching has been disappointing. I'm just, I've been disappointed with Iowa State. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they can kind of turn this around quickly. Yeah, I know we talked about earlier in the year how they were getting it done both with their pitching and their hitting, but unfortunately the pitching fell off for them this weekend against Arizona, giving up six earned runs, losing that game in a run roll, then against Boise, three earned runs, and against Texas State, four earned runs. So their pitching really wasn't um, on point this past weekend. Their, their hitting uh, did okay. I mean, they faced Jessica Mullins uh, for Texas State. She's an absolute star. I think she's a fantastic pitcher. They got nine hits off of her, three earned runs, so that was a winnable game for them. But unfortunately, it just it just didn't happen this weekend. It wasn't their weekend playing some good competition. Think of 21 runs in five games. That's not going to get it done. It's just not. I just very disappointing. Hey, guess what? Oklahoma State's hitting still not very good. Okay, I'll move on. <laughs> um, hey, they don't have the fewest home runs in the Big 12. Somehow that belongs to Baylor, who has five. Ah. 
Yeah, Baylor's just just not hitting hitting for power right now. Um, they they played two games against Corpus, and they had 16 hits in those two games. You th- you'd think 16 hits over two games is enough is enough to win both of them. Um, but they're just not piecing together. Um, they just, they're just not coming through. They're getting the hits, but they're just not scoring people. And, and that's just a problem for them right now. Um, they faced uh, Pau Egan from, from Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who coming in led the nation in doubles. And she did a pretty good job against them. Now she's second in doubles um, with 10 still. Um, but yeah, Baylor, Baylor needs to piece it all together. I've been saying that all year. They haven't been able to piece it together. Like I said, they're getting the hits. They only Their pitching only gave up three earned runs this past weekend. You would think with 16 hits in two games, only giving up three earned runs over two games, that'd be enough to win both. But somehow they figured out they figured out a way to drop one. Yeah. If, look, Oklahoma's really good. And at this point, could they lose a game in conference play? They could. Um, but they're going to blow through this conference. For the rest of the conference, I just I needed to see more. I do, and and I'm a little bit disappointed in, in just about everybody not named Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, especially Iowa State. And I look, I get griped at by my buddy Joel when it comes to baseball because he's like, "There's 50 games." When I'm grumpy, you know, 16 games into the season, and again, we're not that far in. But at a certain point, at what point in the season do you stop and go, "Okay, it's time to be concerned"? You're running out of time to turn things around. Is it? Middle of conference play, beginning of conference play, end of conference play. Like, at what point do you start to actually look at things and go, okay, we're getting to a point where we have to stop saying it's early in the season and we're really starting to get concerned? Yeah, it's definitely been a frustrating year for the Big 12, like you said, not named Oklahoma. I think once you get into conference play, you have to have things figured out. I know, especially for Texas, they've been using all of their pitchers. They've been switching out the lineup a lot. But when you get into conference play, you have to have it figured out. You cannot have any more excuses by the time that first conference, that first round of conference play comes around because you've had ample time to figure it out. You've had ample practices to figure it out, to figure out your pitching staff, who your, who your ace or aces are, and what lineup is the lineup to be successful. So once you get into that first round, I expect every team to have it figured out by then. So looking at some of these teams, you know, we talked about Baylor. 325 batting average. Second best batting average as a team in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma. But only 100 runs, only five home runs. So as you mentioned, I mean, your, your point is valid. Like they're just not hitting for power. So they're getting hits, but they're just not, they're just not doing enough. It's really interesting. Meanwhile, like I feel like their pitching is good, but it's second worst in the conference. I'm just some of this stuff is a little bit confounding to me. Like it feels like teams have like one thing that they're good at and they're struggling at something else. Oklahoma State is second in the conference pitching, team ERA of two point six two, but they're they're sixth in batting average. Like as a team, they're just it it's it is a very the the whole conference. I love it. I love softball, but it's just it. I'm just. I don't. I'm tired to say I'm disappointed, but I just kind of am. I don't know a better way to describe the way I'm feeling right now with this conference. I'm just disappointed. No, I'm disappointed too. I mean, like we talked in earlier in the year, we expected really big things from especially Oklahoma State and Texas, but it seems like they haven't pieced it together. Whether it's a disconnect with chemistry or something's just not going right, or maybe it's the weather out there. I don't really know, but there seems to be a disconnect with with a lot of teams going on. Um, especially like we said, Oklahoma state, Texas, uh, things are just really, really frustrating for Kansas. I mean, th- this weekend they gave up 27 earned runs and they had 10 errors on the season. Their pitching staff only has 70 strikeouts to put that in context. Kelly Maxwell herself has 75 strikeouts and that's only good for 26 in the nation. So a lot of these teams just aren't piecing it together. Uh, they're not getting the timely hitting. They're not getting the timely pitching. It seems like the hitting is on. Or the, and the pitching is off, or the pitching is on and the hitting is off. So, again, if you're not Oklahoma, you you, you still have some issues to work through. And, and it's the, the, the clock is ticking, and it seems like a lot of these teams, not named Oklahoma, like we're going to say all year, really need to get it figured out. Kelly Maxwell has 67 strikeouts. The only player in the Big 12 with more is Jordan yes. Ball. Kelly Maxwell has 75. Oh, is it 75 now? Five strikeouts. <sighs> Big 12's got to update their stuff because I'm looking at the Big 12 – stats at this moment and it says 67 oh the ncaa website someone's lying <laughs> see there's some conflict there because i was looking at some batting average individuals and they are not the same so someone's not getting their numbers updated fast enough it seems. all right let's look ahead to the weekend uh we've got some interesting matchups coming up 
Iowa State headed out to Long Beach. Oklahoma State's going to be in Memphis. Texas hosting quite a few teams in Austin. Uh, Baylor and Oklahoma headed out to Honolulu. Ooh. Uh, looking at the weekend, what are some of the matchups you're most intrigued in? Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at Oklahoma, man. I'm just I'm just waiting for Justin Allen to break that record. I'm waiting for somebody to step up. Um, they play, I don't want to say cupcakes, but they do play a lot of fairly easy games. Uh, should go five and zero on the weekend in Hawaii. I'm looking I'm looking at Texas playing a really good Minnesota team. Um, so I'm excited I'm excited for that. Um, but no matter what, there's always a lot of good softball games going on this weekend. I don't care who it is. There's always going to be great competition. There's always going to be some great upsets happening. So no matter which way you look at it, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, Baylor, Oklahoma are going to go at it in that in that Hawaii Rainbow uh, Classic. And uh, that should be a good one. We'll see some a Big 12 on Big 12 matchup and see how that goes. Little conference play and non-conference coming in early. Very, very nice. Uh yeah, you know, uh, Kansas is kind of off through the weekend. They'll play uh, Iowa on Sunday. Uh, so that, and then a couple of games on Monday against Wichita State and, and Southeast Missouri. Uh, Texas Tech going to host Texas, Tulsa, Texas A&M. Uh, Iowa State, UCF on, on Sunday or Saturday at 2 p.m. in Fullerton. Look, UCF has been really good. I've really enjoyed watching UCF. They're a little up and down, but they have been really good. I'm really excited to see when they get to the Big 12. I'm going to keep my eye on that one. Uh, OSU's trip to Memphis. Uh, it, it should be a pretty easy weekend for Oklahoma State and Memphis. I'm supposed to go to Memphis this weekend for the and watch them play South Dakota at 1 o'clock on Saturday and take my eldest, but um, it's supposed to be like 40 degrees and snow on Friday night. So I guess that's out of the running. Hopefully I can find that on TV somewhere. We will see. Uh, uh, yeah, Texas hosting Minnesota. Minnesota's been giving Oklahoma State some trouble. Uh, so a couple games there that should be pretty interesting. It's a pretty light schedule as far as challenge for the Big 12. So uh, hopefully this is a weekend where the conference as a whole can come away with nice records, even if it's not against the most daunting of competition, but can come away feeling pretty good uh, and kind of shaking some of last weekend off. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, a little bit of an easier schedule. Now that doesn't always equal wins. Like I said, it does not. <laughs> crazier things have happened. Um, but but yeah, hopefully the Big 12 can do a little bit better than they did last weekend with a little bit of easier games. You know, Texas is, is facing Drake and they're facing Nichols. Oklahoma's playing Hawaii and California, Oklahoma State with Memphis, Iowa State with uh, Boston University. So uh, a little bit of an, of an easier route this weekend versus last weekend. I'll say this for the Big 12. The conference has challenged itself with some of the, the neutral site, non-conference stuff they're going to. Texas Tech, I, like, I think they overly challenged themselves with some of the stuff they did early in the season. Baylor as well. Obviously, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State as well. Like, There have been some, some matchups that the Big 12 has challenged itself with that you just kind of look back in hindsight and go, well, you know, I, I know you want to help your team grow, but some of that might have been too much for the team that you had coming into this season. No, honestly, I think I think it's a good thing when you build you build a tough off uh not off season preseason schedule for a reason, especially when you have to get ready for teams like Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, or if you're Oklahoma, then you get ready for teams like Texas and Oklahoma State or whichever way it works. But I think you build that tough non conference schedule for a reason so that you're prepared going into the Big Twelve so you can figure things out, see how your team fares against tough competition, see how your team fares against not so tough competition. Um, so I think, I think it's good for all the teams scheduling these tough games. I, I give them credit. Um, I love that Texas uh, scheduled a, a weekend series against Alabama. I think that was great. I think they found out a lot of answers, figured a little bit, a little bit, um, out a little bit of things out. Um, hopefully they can carry that into the Bevo classic this weekend, get some more wins and continue from there. Lena, you're going to be in, uh, in Texas this weekend in Austin, correct? Taking a little softball. Sure am. It's going to be a little mm -hmm. chilly supposed to rain a lot on friday but hopefully it'll go away but i'm excited for that yeah just put on a raincoat and you'll be okay oh i, I don't I, hey i don't care what it is i don't care if it's snowing as long as they're playing i'm gonna be there very good very good lena you're awesome as always love doing this can't wait to do it again next week uh can i come up with a night i'm gonna come up with something clever for us to do next week i don't know what it is yet but i'm i'm sure i'll think of something we're going to see what kind of fun we can have talked about softball. Uh, Melina, as always, it is a pleasure. Uh, enjoy your weekend in Austin. Everybody, we've got plenty more coming up. My good friend Luke Murtry, NFL agent, is going to come up. We got – you want to hear this. 
Yes, we talked some NFL Combine, but Texas Tech fans, if you're listening, ooh, Texas fans, if you're listening, ooh, you guys, you're going to want to hear what he has to say. Um, I'm going to have to post some of it, some of it on Twitter because it's good. It's good stuff. So stick around for that. We will be right back. March Madness is almost here, which means it's time to turn your podcasting ears to Midwest Madness to make sure that you know what's going on with all the Big 12 teams heading into the tournament. I know that you want to know where to put them once they're seated. I know you want to know for sure who they're going to be. And I got you. Don't worry. Just be sure you're listening to Midwest Madness. We'll be getting into bracketology. We're going to be getting into seating. We're going to get into updates on every single game that happens during the tournament, and you're not going to want to miss it. So be sure to listen to Midwest Madness wherever you get your podcasts. Kansas State men's basketball season came to an end on Wednesday night, losing to West Virginia in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, 67-73. It's, it's the end of the Kansas State season. There's not going to be an NIT bid for a team that's three games under 500, and, I, and I'm not sure they would take one of them. Uh, but more importantly, uh, this feels like it's likely the end of Bruce Weber's career as the head coach of Kansas State Wildcats. It's been the vibe coming into the season. And while I, I think, practically, it's, it's the right reason, uh, from a sentimental standpoint, it stinks. You can't not like Bruce. Guy has been a stand-up guy and an excellent representative of Kansas State. But it's time. It's felt like time since he got hired, and that's probably not fair. It's probably not. It's a hiring that Kansas State fans didn't, didn't love. It's not who they wanted. And, and it's felt like his entire time there, through his entire career as the head coach at Kansas State, he's been defending his, his job. Ten seasons. Two Big 12 titles. He had a nice six-minute press conference after the loss that felt less about the loss of the Big 12 tournament and more about his career because while it's not official, it does feel like it's the end. And, and, and he had some great quotes, some great things he said. And if you can find the full six-minute interview, you you should. I'm, I'm not, I can't play it here. Uh, go look up Sully Ingles uh, at Sully Ingles, S-U-L-L-Y-E-N-G-E-L-S. He tweeted out the full six-minute and 12-second interview. Uh, Bruce gets pretty emotional about the 340 market. It's, it's quite good. Uh, but he has a quote, and I loved it. Uh, he was naming some of the previous uh, head coaches who had been at Kansas State. Lon Kruger didn't win a title. Dana Altman, who didn't win a title. Bob Huggins, who didn't win a title. Frank Martin, who didn't win a title. Bruce Weber has two Big 12 titles. And he made the point that, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit for the one in 2013 because it was somebody else's guys. But 2018-2019 season, those are his. I feel like looking back on Bruce Weber's career at Kansas State, once you got to that three-year stretch from 2016 through 2019, he had to keep it going. And it was a fantastic three-year stretch. Three straight years of making the tournament, an Elite Eight run, a Big 12 regular season title. I get it. Kansas State fans want more. But you got a lot more out of Bruce Weber than I think we give him true credit for. You can't take away that 2019 Big 12 title. That's all his. His guys. His staff. His team. And he kind of felt like if he could keep that going, not necessarily winning the conference every year, but keep that run of 20 wins, making the champion or making the, the NCAA tournament every year, he'd be okay. But after that year, it completely fell off. 11-21, and 9-20. and 20. In 14 and 16 this year. And I know they've got some guys coming back that you could be really excited about. Obviously, Nigel Pack, and if I'm Kansas State, man, I hope Kansas State keeps him because I want him to stay in the Big 12. Pack's just a sophomore, will be a junior next year. Marquise Noel will be back for his senior year season, in theory. I think there's some guys on this team to be excited about. But I don't think it's enough to keep. I don't think it's enough for, for Bruce to keep his job. I, I, I don't know who they're going to hire. We'll talk about that in the offseason. But I, I felt like... Bruce needed a moment, deserved a moment here on the show for us to just say, you did a good job. You weren't great, but you gave Kansas State two regular season Big 12 titles. Not long Kruger, Darren Altman, Bob Huggins, or Frank Martin can say that. And so while he may not have been the most popular guy when he was hired, and we're going to think Kansas State fans will look back on his career more fondly than they felt it was while it was going on, Bruce was a good guy, a stand-up guy, 
represented Kansas State in the Big 12 well. And whatever is next for him, I wish him well, man. Uh, I'll end with the, the quote that I loved from him the most. <laughs> uh, he said he had a reason for going at his hair this season. If you notice, it was quite long. Some of the, the images and, and graphics that people were putting out on, on Twitter were quite amusing. But um, he vowed not to cut it until the teams tangled up in the FBI cheating investigations got punished. Can't help but feel like one last slide at Kansas on his way out. <laughs> Oof. Bruce, I don't think you're ever going to get to cut that hair. Sorry, bud. Uh, just a heads up for everybody, we will be doing a live show on Sunday. We'll put the episode out as our podcast Monday. Uh, but for Sunday, we're doing a show live on Spotify Greenroom. Uh, I want everybody to come in. We're going to start about 8.10-ish. Um, I'd love for everybody to join us. Uh, I'm going to make sure that link is available on Twitter. We're going to post it ad nauseum. It's going to be how you can sign up will be in the show notes here. We would love for you all to come out. We would love for you to join the show. We'll probably go for close to an hour. We'll talk about the men's side bracket. We'll talk about the women's bracket where the big 12 teams landed. Talk about their matchups. I'm going to have as many people from the network come in and talk. I want all of you to join us as well. So it's going to be in Spotify Greenroom. You can find that link all over the place. Or if you, you want to go and sign up for Spotify Greenroom, download the app on your phone. This is not sponsored. This is just the one that we decided to go with. I was going to do a Twitter space. You can't download a recorded Twitter space. I can't do it. I want to be able to put this out on Monday for those who can't join us to still be able to listen. So if you could join us live, I would love to have you there. Have guests have an opportunity to talk, talk about your team, uh, have some predictions, some guesses. We will do a tournament, uh, a bracket challenge. We're going to do it through ESPN this year. We did do ESPN last year. We are going to do it with ESPN this year. I will have that group set up. I'll have that link available soon, probably Friday, Saturday, sometime this weekend. I, I will get that available. We will have prizes for whoever wins that bracket. I don't know what that prize is yet. I will. Okay, so make sure if you join it that you make it easy for me to contact you. If you do it, I don't know who you are. Like, I can't give you a prize for winning. So just as a heads up. Okay, one of those surprises, I can promise you will be there. Homeville Apparel. The most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever see. Big New Saturday Season 3 wrapping up this weekend with UCLA, but two Big 12 schools added. Cincinnati and Kansas. The Kansas line is amazing. If you're a Kansas fan you haven't added any of them, either if you wear the Fog shirt or Pay He Who All, all Who Enter shirt, or as Andy says, the Sexy Legs uh, hoodie, which I actually think is sold out at this point. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. Get 15% off your first order. Along with Kansas and Cincinnati, they have UCF, Houston and BYU, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Baylor, Texas, West Virginia. All incredible. The Kansas line is it's freaking amazing. It's so good. We know TCU is coming at some point, but those are just some of the more than 100 schools they have available. And like, seriously, go and just shop. You will just just go down the home field rabbit hole looking at all the amazing things they have to offer. The Delaware line is freaking awesome. The Tulane line is amazing. The Hawaii line is incredible. Okay, go check it all out at homefieldapparel.com. Promo code NETWORK12. 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this year. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. All right, the NFL Combine is over. We hadn't had a chance to talk about it yet. I feel like we should touch on it at least a little. Uh, and if I'm going to talk about the NFL Combine, I'm going to talk with one guy in particular, especially if it's going to be NFL. That's my buddy, Luke McMurtry, NFL agent. Uh, Luke, welcome back, man. Appreciate you for having me on, man. Always enjoy it. Dude, it's it's a pleasure. It what people don't know is is that the conversation we have like before and after recording is always far longer than when we have while recording. And uh let's just say um I can't tell everything, but um <clears throat> uh, Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith. 
keep an eye on Donovan Smith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> First drop <trumpet. laughs> Um Texas Tech fan, what? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the combine. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna make. I don't know if this is a hot take or what. I think the combine is important, but I think as the combine becomes more and more of a TV commodity, um, it's becoming less and less valuable as far as actually relating to NFL success. It is a neat opportunity for guys who are going to have success to look back on and say, hey, we saw him at the combine. He looked great. But I don't think it, it's as much a direct correlation to NFL success as we like to think that it is or even that it used to be. 100%. No, exactly. Um, especially this year, for people who didn't know, uh, the NFL combine decided to do the bench press the 40-yard dash, and all on-field exercises on the same exact day. Um, so a lot of people probably saw on ESPN and NFL Network, agents were actually saying their players are going to boycott the NFL combine because of this. Um, typically, they're all spread out throughout the days. The central nervous system of the player, um, you need those spread out if you want to have the best times. Um, not only that, but the combine, they squeeze it all into one day, all the workouts, and they moved it all to prime time just for the fans. They're not thinking about the players. They just moved it all prime time for the fans. Um, so typically in the years past, players were running their 40, doing their L, doing their three cone in the middle of the day, typically when you're working out or when they're used to doing things. Um, this year, the players worked out from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. I mean, some of my guys didn't get done working out until 1130 p.m. The combine's obviously going away from being built for the players and for them to perform well. And it's just going to TV and for the fans and for the media. Um, with that, you saw a lot of guys opt out of the bench press. Um, I had one player bench press. So I had four players at the NFL combine and I had one player bench press because that player didn't run the 40, um, had a little tweak. We're going to run his 40 at pro day. Um, so it's really just messing with stuff, man. The running backs didn't even get to do the three cone and the L drill. It's really just NFL's more getting the combines getting to worry about money, um, and fans and the media more than they are the players. And it's really taking a hit on everything. How much more importance do you think that's going to start to put on on schools pro days, which I think provides the, the universities an opportunity to kind of showcase themselves and their players and, and, and moving forward? Uh, I think that's going to be a big emphasis. Um, just going to keep the pro days are going to keep getting more and more important um, because the player is a lot more comfortable when he's at his school. Um, at the combine, the first day, the first day you get there is orientation. The second day, you're at a hospital getting poked, prodded, twisted, um, and bent around by medical staff for eight to 10 hours a day. There was actually an O lineman this past year um, who was there for 11 and a half hours going through blood testing, drug testing, and medical evals. Um, and so agents are sick of it, players are sick of it, and we're just moving. I think. The next three years, I think a lot of people are going to say, hey, we're not even going to go to the combine um, and we're going to just going to focus on pro day where the players are comfortable. Their coaches are there. They have ample enough time to get warmed up, to get stretched out before their workouts. Um, and that's just that's just where the NFL is going these days because they're not caring. And you can trust the school is going to care about that. Um, the NFL, the NFL chooses exactly how it's done at the pro day as well. Um, and so I think every I think everything's going to go toward the pro day. I actually don't think the combine will even be a thing in the next five to six years. So if you are a, a, an athletic department or an AD listening to this, I know you're not, uh, maybe start really building up your pro day, making it a big deal, getting some fa inviting fans in, and uh, first Big 12 school to televise it, you might be smart. But don't make it about that. Make it about the players. But, you know, it's an opportunity. It's an I couldn't agree more. The schools could absolutely bring in, um, bring in fans for that without – messing with the product or without messing with the players or the NFL staffs there. Um, some schools, it's ridiculous. Oklahoma, for example, I'll call them out. Um, Oklahoma doesn't even allow the NFL agents whose clients are participating into pro day. Um, and so there are a lot of things schools could do better with pro days. Um, I do think that'll hopefully get ironed out and start to work on, but Oh, if an AD and a creative staff really sat down and think, how could we market this? How could we get our fans involved in this? How could we give a true, like in our shoes point of view of what goes down on pro day and how it works. Oh, that'd be awesome. I think fans would be all over it and it wouldn't hurt the players at all. Like you want to put it on the YouTube channel. I will put it on while I'm at work and just have it on the background and watch um, every cowboy participate because that's the kind of fan I am. And I think a lot of fans are like that. Uh, so let's talk about the combine for a minute. Obviously some of the, some of the news we saw, some of those 40 times, Tyquan Thornton uh, ended up with a 4.28 official time of the 40, which was Blazing. pretty dang fast. We had three 
Baylor players. Baylor just recruiting for speed, recruiting for speed, recruiting for speed. He had Tyquan Thornton with the 4.28, Kalen Barnes with the 4.23, and JT Woods with the 4.36. So you got quite a few uh, Baylor speedsters. They love speed at that school. I mean, it's pretty impressive, and I do think it speaks to kind of showcasing what Baylor's emphasis has been in recruiting. Absolutely. Uh, I think they did a lot of recruiting like, hey, let's go get athletes, specifically track athletes. Um, and let's see what we can turn them into. Let's develop them and let's coach them into football to be football players and let's see what we can do. Uh, with JT Woods, Kalen Barnes, and Taekwon, people have been talking about them for years because in the NFL community because everyone knew, hey, these guys are speedsters and they're going to be good guys. Um, they're going to be good prospects. The crazy thing about going off the 40 time, the crazy thing about the five combine um, invites from Baylor is the two slowest Baylor players will actually be the earliest drafted players. Um, both Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie didn't even run their 40s um, due to some other stuff due to a lot of the combine scheduling um, and they'll be running at the end of the month um, at Baylor's Pro Day but those guys are even going to run we're going to run a little bit slower and get drafted higher but I think there's something down there in the water at Waco because um, Terrell didn't run his 40 but when he did his three cone did his L drill when he did those his short shuttle all that he had top five every every uh, was top five with the inside linebackers with his vertical jump broad jump and everything um, so while their 40 times may not be as blazing, the two slower guys, uh, they make up for it and everything else. And so they're recruiting athletes down there and whatever they're doing, it's working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, 40 time is fun. Like, give me the three cone. Give me the shuttle. Like that's, that's, th- those are fun. I want to watch those. Uh, I mean, it, it feels like Baylor could have a really good draft day this year, um, which, I mean, look, we talk about recruiting all the time. How you how, how well you do putting players into the NFL is a bigger part of success in recruiting than I think fans like to realize. They were talking, well, we 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 been, this was our record this year, and this is what we're no like. Can you put me in the NFL? Can you get me drafted high? Cool. Now now when I put you in my top five, it's legit. It's not just that one thing I'm doing because Mama asked me to. I couldn't agree more. And I think schools, that is a big part in recruiting. And I think schools could even use it a lot more. Because, um, like, wow, it's awesome to go to a college football team, to go deep into the season, go to awesome bowl, go to New Year's Six Bowl games, maybe even make the playoffs. What really matters is go to the NFL. If I ever talk to a high school kid I meet or a family friend reaches out, kind of like, hey, what do you think of these schools? What are you hearing? Um, I always suggest look at how many players they put into the NFL because that's what matters. Like, yeah, you're going to college. Sorry, people won't agree with this. But you go to college, yeah, you're going to get a degree. It's cool and all. But if you're going as a college football player to a Power 5 school, your goal is usually the NFL. And so I think that's exactly what they need to look at. Um, if they, you go back and look at Baylor's recruiting class with those five guys we had mentioned who were at the Combine this year. Well, six guys, sorry. They had Tristan Ebner there as well. Um, if you go back and look at those six Combine guys that they had, they, none, of, none of them were five-star recruits. I think one or two of them was a four-star, but they aren't these big-time recruits. But they're going after athletic traits, speed, agility, and developing these guys, and that's how they turn into. So not only did they go win the Sugar Bowl, win the Big 12 title, they're putting guys in the NFL. And if you're a college player looking for college – if you're a high school player, excuse me, looking for a college program, I wouldn't be looking anywhere else. You mentioned Petrie, Petrie, 4.18 on the, uh, the shuttle. Another guy from the Big 12 did really well, Nick Benito with a 4.23. I mean, what have you heard about Benito so far? Benito's good. Very good edge rusher. Um, I think some people thought he was going to have a bigger year this year than he did. Uh, But I think he ends up – I think he's a day-two pick all day long. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a second. don't know if he's going to be a third. But he'll be a day-two pick, absolutely. Um, And then on Jalen Petrie, a lot of fans have seen some mock drafts and seen some stuff on social media talking about him, maybe in the third round, fourth round. Jalen Petrie is going to be a top 50 pick. Mark my words. Um, the NFL absolutely loves him. Um, I know this is bold to say, but he's Honey Badger 2.0. Um, he really, really is. If, if the Chiefs were to move on from Honey Badger, I would not be shocked if they went and got Petrie um, with their, their late first round pick. Um, that's exactly what he is. He's a 10 out of 10 human being. He's a ball hawk on the field. You can put him anywhere and he can play any position on the defense. Um, that kid's a stud. I think he ends up going – Late first, early second. Um, I think Benito goes day two, so round two, round three. We got to talk about the guy who, from a fantasy standpoint, because that's how I look at a lot of this, <laughs> is uh, is moving up draft boards for sure. And that's Brees Hall. And at this point, I feel like, and look, running back, you never know. 
I would be sh- if he's not at at worst the second running back off the board of the draft, whether that's second round, third round. I I, w- I would be immensely shocked. What are you hearing about about Brees and, and likely landing spots and and how NFL teams are viewing him? No, good question. Um, the NFL teams like him a whole lot. He's a good kid with literally nothing bad about nothing off the field. Um, has no off the field issues. Was a good blocker. Could catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Could make guys miss the. Um, in the big 12 teams like him a whole lot and similar um, to similar to Nick Benito. I think he's a day two pick. Um, I don't know if he'll be the second running back off the board um, just because you never know how that stuff ends up. Now, if I'm an NFL GM, I'm taking him running back one or running back two um, this year. There's not that one guy, you know, who's like a Saquon Barkley or something or, or Leonard Fournette even where like, Oh my gosh, this is by far and away the number one running back. Um, but I, he's probably my favorite running back in the draft. Um, and I do think he goes day two. There's just not that, NFL is getting away from drafting those running backs in round one. Um, and so same thing. I think he kind of falls into that. Uh, so where he goes round two, round three, good kid, his personality, <laughs> talked to a team. Um, I brought him up. So he was training at Exos um, in Frisco. That's where Jalen Petrie trained um, Terrell Bernard, a couple other, um, who else trained? I think there's an OU guy there. Uh, Perron Winfrey trained there. Um, so some big 12 guys down there. And so I was talking to a scout about him. He asked me what I thought. I thought a good kid, real quiet. And Scott was like, yeah, man, had him in for an interview. And he just didn't, didn't, didn't talk much, man. I didn't know if he had any personality. I didn't know what he did. Like he was just ball. Like it's all he cared to talk about. We asked about off the field stuff and he just didn't really talk much. All he did is care about ball. So the kid's about business. I just need to hear a giggle or a laugh out of him or something. Um, but no, he's, man, he does everything by the book. He's a great kid. I think he's going to have a good career. Um, day two pick for sure. Anybody from the big 12 who was at the combine, you think did themselves the most favors? Did themselves the most favors, I would say, Jalen Petrie with his interviews. Um, he was at Senior Bowl as well, um, so did really great on interviews there and did well on field. But a guy, um, kind of a sleeper late-round guy who I think helped himself a lot is Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker from Oklahoma State. Um, he looked like an absolute brick house. Um, he was jacked, uh, did really well in interviews, was very confident, had good personality from what I heard, um, and tested very, very well for a guy of his size. Um, he's on the shorter, thicker end, um, but he was just absolutely jacked, and all of his numbers were great. His 40 was very impressive, much faster than I expected. Um, and did well in all of his positional drills, did well in all of his jumps. I think he really helped himself, and I think he helped solidify himself a draft pick. Yeah, the issue with him has always been just from a size standpoint, he doesn't fit what you normally would see, but from athleticism and everything else, like he killed it and did exactly what he needed to do to give himself an opportunity to get drafted, probably in one of the later rounds, but an opportunity to hear his name called to the NFL draft this year. I absolutely think he goes sixth, seventh round. Um, and with him, at worst, um, he could be a star special teamer. Um, he's gritty, wrestler back in high school from a small town, Oklahoma, just absolutely dominated a lot of guys in the Big 12, which just is never, I don't even, I've never, I don't even know if I ever saw a guy break his tackles. Um, just a sure tackler, good kid. Uh, I think he could be a star special teams guy, man. I really do. A core special teamer that every team needs, playing the league for 12 years. Uh, if he were four inches taller, we'd be talking about him being a day one, day two pick. Uh, but the NFL just needs a little bit of size, needs those guys to be able to cover. Um, so a little bit more of an old school type linebacker, but I do think he'll have a lot of success on the special team side of the ball. You've mentioned him a couple of times, uh, Trell Bernard. Uh, Baylor fans, of course, Big 12 fans, of course, know him. You know him very well. He's one of your guys uh, that you you are the agent for i mean what stood out about him to you that made you say i gotta sign him i want to have this kid i want i want to help him further his career absolutely um and something with him too so i talked about malcolm um if he were three or four inches taller he'd be a day one day two pick um with terrell's thing was if he were just a little bit faster he'd be a day one day two he'd be a for sure day one pick um, with Terrell, he is an undersized linebacker. He has had a little bit of injuries um, in college, but he's a 10 out of 10 human, 12 out of 10 human being. Him and Jalen Petrie are actually best friends, um, and it does not get better than that. Team captain, Sugar Bowl MVP with a ton of TFLs, tons of sacks. Um, asked around the NFL and asked people around the Baylor program about him. And they're like, dude, you literally can't find anything bad on the kid. He's dated the same girl since he was 13 years old. They lived next door to each other growing up. She came to Baylor with him as well. Um, was great in school, great football player. He's the type of player who I genuinely think was going to fit onto the right NFL team, um, be that off-ball linebacker, and will play in the NFL for the next 12 years um, because he's the glue of the locker room. He's a team captain. Everyone loves this kid. And he's an adult. 
I mean, he's in his young 20s still. He's coming out in his rookie year. He will be more mature than I would say 90% of the NFL. Um, just from a standpoint, from a team standpoint, there's nothing more you want in a linebacker um, with that role-playing linebacker, that off-ball guy than Terrell Bernard, and that's my pitch on him. And with all of this as well, undersized linebacker, all thing, he tested out of the he tested phenomenally at the combine. His broad was great, his vert was great, three cone was awesome, his eldra was perfect. Um, everything he does is great. He does everything by the book, works harder than anyone I know. Um, I've never never had a Baylor Bear before, you know. Um, but I was down to go happy to go down to Waco and snag him. Very nice. Okay, I didn't prep you for this one, but um I'm gonna ask it. And if you don't have an answer, don't worry. Uh Okay, so looking ahead to next year, obviously we're just we haven't even gotten to the draft this year, but looking ahead to twenty twenty two season, twenty twenty three, um, who are some Big Twelve guys you're keeping an eye on? You're like, I would be shocked if that guy is not a combine invite next year. We'll start at Oklahoma. Um, they've got a couple, obviously, as they always do. Um, <laughs> one that no one's really talking, or I say no one, NFL people are talking about, but I haven't seen any media, haven't seen any Twitter. Um, Anton Harrison, um, O-lineman at Oklahoma. Um, big body, has all the traits to be a top 50 pick. Um, no one's really talking about him yet. Last year was his first year really starting. Uh, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, there's a D tackle at Texas. A lot of people are talking about, I sound uneducated on the topic now that his name's not coming to the top of my brain. Um, but a D tackle at Texas, um, who I'm hearing as well is going to have top 50 to top 100 grades. Um, and then a kid that everyone was kind of surprised that went back to school to Marvin Overshone, um, linebacker at Texas, um, things six, four, six, five, very, very skinny, like 220 pounds. Um, so needs to put some weight on at linebacker. Actually committed to Texas as a safety, um, which kind of explains the weight. Um, but I think DeMarvians has the traits um, to act to very well be a first-round pick. Um, some people are talking about him a little bit. He had an okay year at Texas last year, but he has all the traits to be a big-time guy. Um, the D-tackle, of course, now the name's coming Now the name's coming back a little bit. What is – nope, never mind. Can't figure out this. Alfred. <laughs> Alfred's his first name, but I don't know why I can't remember this guy's name. Have Alfred Collins. There we go. There you go. Um, haven't started recruiting for next year. Uh, so didn't have the name down, but Alfred Collins is going to be a big time guy that no one's talking about yet. Very cool. All right. Good o- job. Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state Ooh. had a corner man that I thought they were, uh, he transferred out. Um, they had two corners that transferred out actually, didn't they? They had a kid, uh, an LSU guy and an Ohio state guy. Uh, Tanner McAllister, Ohio state. Correct. Yes. And um, the other one was a safety uh sterling no not sterling no um, um benarkin how do you pronounce his name oh my god two last names bernard converse yes bernard converse um yeah. so he was a guy who i had my name or i had my eye on um some teams have mentioned to me for next year already uh, me being an oklahoma state guy they knew i'd be interested in that and we couldn't keep him uh, i say we as in the big 12 um we couldn't keep him locked down um so with him gone it takes away kind of i don't I don't know if there's aren't are going to be any Oklahoma state guys, the combine or kind of draftable guys next year. Um, Colin Oliver's obviously coming up and going to be a big time player, but he won't even be eligible yet. Um, so we'll have to see if Trace Ford comes back. Okay. From that ACL injury um, and how he develops. I saw he put some weight on um, his mom posted a pic or he posted a pic mom reposted yeah. a couple of weeks ago where he looks absolutely jacked. Um, so I was excited for him. Good for him. Heard he's a phenomenal kid, um, but Oklahoma's going to Oklahoma state's going to need a, kind of surprise or a sleeper if they want to sneak into the draft next year all right we, we teased that off the top and i'm gonna to ask um donovan smith texas tech quarterback in the years of starter I, I i think he's the starter next year you don't have to say this anything about this if you want to. why why what are you hearing about him that uh what are you hearing about this guy what are you hearing there, there's some early on buzz about this kid uh yeah finished the season as a starter um going into this season with the new coaching staff some people are saying he's going to have a little bit of a quarterback battle um i predict for there not to be much of a quarterback battle to be honest um i think he's going to win it um with flying colors um he's a lot younger than the quarterback they've got coming in um his tools this is this is bold for you red raiders um he has the tools to be a top 50 pick a first second round pick absolutely um, he's working with a phenomenal quarterback coach um, named Jeff Christensen. Um, Google the guy if you guys are bored. Um, Jeff Christensen is known as one of the best quarterback coaches in the NFL, um, has worked with some top, top names, um, worked with Mitchell Trubisky this past year. If you've seen Mitch Trubisky getting some hype in the NFL um, now about him maybe being a starter, uh, worked with Jimmy Garoppolo over the years, works with Patrick Mahomes now as well. Um, so he has some, some pretty decent names under him. 
Um, Donovan's been working with him this past offseason, been working with him a little bit. Um, and from what I'm hearing from NFL scouts and people around, they think Donovan Smith's going to be the real deal over the next couple of years. Ooh. Ooh. All right. I'm going to move Texas Tech up my uh, up my rankings now. Hey, he's still young. I didn't say this year. Um, <laughs> the next couple of years, they're saying this kid is going to be the real deal. Um, someone I'm super excited about who off topic or similar topic, Quinn Ewers at Texas, man. Um, there's been a lot of hype around this kid. Um, left South for people who didn't know, um, left South Lake Carroll a year early um, to go to Ohio State because Texas UIL would not allow him to make NIL money. Um, and so Quinn said, all right, graduated a year early, uh, went to Ohio State, made um, seven figures at Ohio State in NIL deals. Um, and that's a legitimate number, a very legitimate number. A lot of people are coming around saying like, oh, it's fake. It's overblown. Like, No, he, he made that. Um, and so now with him transferring down to Texas, uh, people are like, oh, this kid's overhyped, yada, yada. No, he's not um, from what I'm hearing around people in Austin. This kid is not overhyped. He's got it. Um, he's still getting in the playbook, still learning things around there. But talking to players and coaches around that program, they think he's going to be the real deal. I mean, scouting services were saying he's the best quarterback ever scouted. Um, and you got to think how, how big time Trevor Lawrence was coming out, how big time Andrew Luck was coming out of high school. Um, and so I think that kid's going to be the real deal. So the Big 12 is going to have some fun quarterbacks to watch over the next couple of years. Very good. Very interesting. All right, Luke, man, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate it, bud. Dude, I'm, the the draft is still weeks away, so we'll just we'll just mark it down for like every couple of weeks until the draft. We're gonna get you back on. I'm gonna see what other things I can pull out of you that I'm not supposed Let's to. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, I'm not always a pleasure. <laughs> Appreciate you having me on, man. Podcast Network.